Do you like ice cream? Do you ever look at ice cream flavors and wonder, how the hell did someone come up with this? How does it taste so damn good? How do they do it? Welcome to Let's Spoon Podcast, where we chat with ice cream makers and get the scoop on the stories behind the ice cream. Come cuddle up and spoon with your hosts, Stephanie Dela Cruz from Dela Cramery, and myself, Brooke Shapiro, aka Sunday's Mom. And let's dig in and chat all things ice cream. This week, we are spooning with Brandon from Randy's Best Ice Cream in Albany, California, to talk about going from skateboarding to chef to ice cream business owner. He shares the cost behind the foods and will teach you a new term, jetpack. Hi, Brandon. Thanks for joining us. Will you share with our listeners your ice cream journey? Well, I was like a savory cook for a long time. I've been working in restaurants probably my entire career. Like I, I started working in restaurants when I was 17. I was, as like a high school kid, like I was very like kind of aimless. Um, I'd spend my days like avoiding homework and like skateboarding. And, um, but I'd always like cooking. And once I kind of latched onto that, um, I gave it some serious thought and I kind of just dove right into it. I like picked up Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain and like, I just like kind of took off and I worked my way up eventually to like, like Michigan started restaurants in San Francisco. Um, I worked like all <clears throat> throughout like my college career. I went to community college then transferred to SF State with the intention of like working in a restaurant in San Francisco. That went on for maybe six years, seven years. And I just realized that as I got older, like the um, kind of like fast life was like I I realized that like it was fun for a while when I was like young but as I got older I realized like it was like highly unsustainable having a family it's like in the cards and like I would rather watch my kids grow up than like sacrifice my well-being and time for like a restaurant that pulls in like five percent like profit margin I had been thinking about that since probably 2019 like the pandemic really gave me a push off the cliff to kind of like figure out what else to do and I think a lot of people like share a similar story to mine to answer your question like I was having a conversation with my friend one day and or like a couple of my friends and we like joked about opening an ice cream shop and how we thought it would be fun and I actually like I don't know I kind of latched onto the idea so much so that I like couldn't really stop thinking about it I just like gave it more thought more and more and more and more it was like during a time where I was like trying to figure out what the end goal would be because restaurants weren't it. So I did some research and I talked to like the small business association in San Francisco and I did some research on permitting and started recipe testing and kind of like dove right into it because um, I thought it would be a good idea. I, I eventually wrote up a financial projection and like a business plan and I kind of had to pump the brakes for a second and like ask myself like, okay, like, is this something that I'm, that I've kind of latched on to because it sounds easy? Do, do I just think that owning my own ice cream business is, um, would just be easy and fun? I have like a few mentors in my life or who I like consider mentors and like I spoke to them about like kind of what it would look like and I have this idea and um they've worked with me so they know how I work you know as an employee and they just thought that I had the skills to do something or make something 
good, but um, that it'd be hard. And so I kind of sat with that reality for a while and kind of accepted it and said, you know, like I'm, I'm willing to take on that challenge. And I just kept pushing forward with the business and just tested recipes. And, you know, I wrote that financial projection. And so I went through multiple like uh, agencies on like, like, just like all of it, like uh, the health department, the city, uh, the city of San Francisco first, and then the city of Albany, uh, because like I said, it was originally going to be in San Francisco, ended up being in Albany and then just like researching on the laws of California and just like all the things that I would need. And it started with like me, like having like an identity crisis and then, and then kind of like an idea. And that was really awesome to just get an insight on like where you're at um, mentally and what steps you've gone through to get started. I mean, that's already just so intriguing and I feel like so relatable for a lot of people. And if it wasn't before it is now or will be soon, if I can like ask a few questions about like your past too, had you ever made ice cream before or did you ever see yourself being more of like a sweet cook or, yeah. you know, anything yeah. like that? I've always thought that like ice cream and like desserts were like a great medium for flavors. Like I love fruit and like most of the time, my favorite part of the meal is like dessert. Did I ever make ice cream before this? Like, no, <laughs> I actually had a conversation with a friend like a while back. Like um, I-, I thought of the business idea first and then, I just changed my end goal, which was like opening a restaurant to opening an ice cream business and thought like, hey, I should probably learn how to make ice cream. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Um, but I feel like working in restaurants, like I'd read, you know, so many cookbooks and like so many like heavily scientific like cookbooks like throughout my career that um, I think it was a, a little easier for me to make the switch because I already kind of knew how food worked and like down to like a like a really like fundamental level like how milk proteins work and whatnot and so I just did a little more specific research with ice cream and kind of went from there and how did you think of the flavors do you just think of what you want to eat that day or conceiving the flavors in the beginning and like to this day I just keep like a huge journal of like any flavor combination that I think may or may not work I just have them I just like if somebody gives me a suggestion, I'm like, cool, I'll write it down. And like, I think a lot about just like flavors that I've had in a dessert. And it's like, I don't know, like a pastry I had at a Chinese bakery or like the dessert that I had at a two Michelin star restaurant, like just like flavor combinations that I enjoy. And if they're like translatable to ice cream, because like sometimes the thing that makes a dessert really good is like the texture of it and how hot it is when it comes out of the oven. And those things don't really translate to ice cream, mm-hmm. but some things do like, like a fresh baked dinner roll. You can't really make that ice cream. Maybe like honey butter is like a little more translatable. Do you have a popcorn ice cream? I feel like I've heard people talk about. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's become sort of like a signature flavor I've always seen that flavor like on like restaurant menus and it always kind of falls through for me I've had it probably like in four meals of my life and like wow I get really excited about it because I'm like wow popcorn ice cream it always kind of disappointed me because it never tastes like popcorn and or it was like muddled by other things on the plate I figured that if I can like make the ice cream myself I can kind of like maybe make it taste more like how I expected it to taste like and I think it tastes pretty close <laughs> to like or, uh, I mean it's really good I, I I really like the flavor it gets topped with salted caramel just for like a, another layer when you developed that recipe um mm-hmm. how long did it take you to get it to be like how you wanted it that one was actually pretty quick because I read in a book 
it's called Hello, My Name is Ice Cream. There's actually a recipe for popcorn ice cream. Or the secret kind of is to uh, pop it in clarified butter, which I've made so many times in restaurants. It really gives it that like movie popcorn flavor. But not only that, like not only is the popcorn popped in the butter, the butter carries the flavor of the kernels and then it all gets added to the ice cream base. I think the mistake that a lot of people make is like they pop it in oil. The popcorn doesn't have like a taste to it. And you have to use a lot of popcorn to, to make it taste like popcorn. And then they lose a ton of yield and then they get frustrated and you know, put it on the menu anymore. Yeah, that, that was actually the first, the very first flavor that I tested. And it didn't take long. This is on the menu for sure. I actually had my girlfriend was the first person to try it. She was like, wow, this is probably going to be your most popular flavor. She called it, man. Yeah, she called it. is that going to be like a permanent like staple of randy's ice cream i think for the most part yeah just because i like thoroughly enjoy it it's kind of difficult to make on a scale even as small as mine definitely worth it the only thing that i worry about is that it it totally takes away the the kind of like a slot for the menu meaning like i have five flavors on the menu and it's really difficult to do five. If I always keep popcorn on it, I will basically only have four flavors to play with. And really it's not four. I always try to keep a coffee and a chocolate because kids love chocolate. Adults love coffee ice cream. So I can't really change the two. If I never change popcorn and I always keep a coffee and a chocolate, I only really have two interchangeable flavors. That's really the only thing that would um, prevent me from always like keeping it on the menu. So maybe we should back up a little bit and get the origin of your name. How did you come up with Randy's ice cream? So my name is Brandon, but when I first moved to Albany from San Jose, uh, I was skating out front. I just moved into this house, third day of school maybe. And uh, some kid comes skateboarding down the hill and I live at the bottom of the hill and comes by, long hair, his name's Augie. We end up skating. Oh, he's a, he goes, oh, hey, you're that new kid, right? I'm like, yes. We end up skating for three, four hours. He's actually like one of my good friends to this day. After we're done hanging out, he goes, um, okay, I'll see you later, Randall. I mean, Brandon. And then he goes, actually, you know, you look like a Randall. I'm going to call you Randall. Like I told you guys, like I had, I had no friends. <laughs> I was like, you can call me whatever you want. Like, <laughs> as long as I get a friend out of it. He was actually a pretty popular kid, so um, he was just like a very um, charismatic guy, very friendly. He introduced me to everybody as Randall, and it just stuck. So some people I went to school with didn't even know my name was Brandon. That's how like ubiquitous that name was. Like, how did it come to your ice cream shop name? So I thought it was appropriate in a couple of ways. Like, one, I don't think that like Brandon's Creamery, Brandon's best ice cream really has like a ring to it i thought that randy which is kind of just like an offshoot of randall has more of an old-timey feel like it has more of like a fenton z feel if you look at the logo like randy's is in like a really like classic like cursive but the best ice cream part is in like a 3d logo and it's like that's i guess i tried to convey like the old-timey feel of like certain ice creams but also bring in like new tweaks and adjustments to those I call them archetypes of ice cream, like the coffee, chocolate, strawberry, vanilla, and whatnot. Are you in a scoop shop now, or how do you how do you sell your ice cream, and why? Uh, I do not have a scoop shop. I think I'm going on week eight of the cart. The idea behind the cart was that it was like a it was low start cost. 
I'm not going to commit like $200,000 to like a scoop shop off of like a conversation I had with my friend. And so um, the cart is a little uh, like 33 inches, maybe the size of your desk, 44 inches long, probably up to your waist in height. And uh, it has a big umbrella that comes up and it's like green and white. I have my logo on both sides and it says Randy's Best Ice Cream. And uh, I hang my little menu in a little dingy way. <laughs> I should probably find a better way to do, but um, it's, uh, it's called the cold plate freezer. You plug it in, uh, there's liquid inside the walls of the freezer that freeze and are, and the box is very heavily insulated. So as soon as you unplug it, there's no more electricity. Engine turns off, but it's so insulated that it can stay cold all day. I sell my ice cream in prepackaged scoops. It's um, what the health department approved. Originally, I wanted to scoop from the cart and set up buckets, which is like a lot less work on the back end and a lot more work in the front end. For example, if I was scooping out of a bucket, I would just like spin my ice cream and then dump it into like a three gallon bucket. And then throughout the week, you know, I'm scooping to customers according to their order. But since that is not approved by the health department, like street side, or I guess without the sinks, um, I do it all prepackaged. So I'm in the kitchen and like spinning ice cream and I'm packing it in like 500 plus cups. And I'm only allotted like a certain time because of the, I don't know, the agreement that we have. And, but on the flip side, it's a lot more work on the back end, way less work on the front end. If I have a line and each person wants like six scoops, I could just open the thing and just like give them six cups and it's done. The transaction time is super fast. That's partly why I sell out so fast. So when you're um, in the process of making all of this and you also have to put them all into the cups, uh, mm. Do you have like a team helping you do this? Sometimes it's just myself, but my girlfriend, I actually worked with her at a restaurant. She has more experience in pastry than I do because she pastry, but um, she helps me pretty consistently nowadays. She's in school, so sometimes the schedule doesn't line up. For the most part, it's just me and her and we're just wow. like packing. I, I make all the base beforehand so that I schedule it in a way where it's like I do a lot of the heavy lifting with like making the ice cream base. And then she helps me like kind of take it home and just like pack it. It sounds like it would take a really long time. Yeah, I mean, we're in there just like running and just like hauling and um, start to finish. Man, we go from like 10 to maybe two, four hours, four to five hours, That's but fun. like 700 cups, which is like really pretty decent. That's amazing. Yeah. Say, you need to like have some kind of schedule or process or yeah yeah I think as with most things like time goes on things get a little more streamlined and I mean the first day I was in there I spent like I spent like eight hours in there just like messing up a recipe and like finding my legs and at the end of the day I walked out of there with like 100 cups and I spent like eight hours there now it's like a lot more streamlined the output is a lot higher than when I first started which is cool can you talk about the ingredients that go into all your ice cream like Mm. How do you, where did they come from? Is it local? Is it? I ordered through distributor for the most part, but the distributor carries like really great local ingredients. Like I, I get all my chocolate from them and it comes from Cho. Even if uh, some of it is special order, like um, Cho is processed here in Berkeley. Uh, for the coffee ice cream, I use counterculture, which is roasted in Emeryville. All the milk is clover organic, which is up in Sonoma. I, I think as I get older, I realized that like, 
being like a member in your local community is like and having a sense of community around you is like super important in my life supporting people who are local like these people are doing really great things like clover and cho and counterculture and um it's cool to like support people who are doing things like sustainably and like I would hope that they're paying their workers like a higher wage than somebody like Driscoll's. Or if I go to the farmer's market and I buy blueberries from Hidden Star, like they're probably paying their workers a lot better than Driscoll's. That's like a huge part of like, I don't know, the satisfaction that I get in buying things that are super local. So I I split my product between like um, bulk ordering through um, the purveyors and and then whatever else I need, like seasonal fruits, like I'll go to the farmer's market. Yeah, um, it probably makes your costs, like, you know, you, each cup probably has to cost a lot. And then, you know, the trickling effects of supporting businesses and the cost of your product and the value you have, like, yeah. I don't know how much your cups of ice cream cost, but I think, you know, I'd imagine it'd be like $10 by the time you're buying local chocolates and you know, this yeah. and that. I just, I'm yeah. seeing the two chings go. Yeah, it, it's not, it's not like backbreaking and it's like, I'm not losing money on every cup, but it is a lot more expensive than buying like Hershey's chocolate, you know, like buying like things that are um, maybe a lot more unethical or like totally out of the question for me. If I have the money, like I'm going to choose to like spend it where it, where it matters. Well, and I would imagine like your experience in fine dining, I can't imagine you'd be very satisfied using that many lower end products like you have a pretty yeah. experienced taste palette for now it's hard to like not to sound like a like a snob but like it's hard to like go back to those things when you had like such great products like it's hard for me to like eat a, a Safeway strawberry when I've had like an in season like peak season like strawberry from the market from like Tomatera like an Albion strawberry from Tomatero in like the spring or the summer is just like beats any other strawberry. And it's, and it's hard to be like, wow, like that's what a strawberry is supposed to taste like. Why would I use anything else? It's like, I don't know. The product is just like objectively superior. And I try to bring like that to the people. Yeah. And everyone can taste that, right? Like they can tell every cup of yours has like filled with love and it's filled with like the strawberry flavor and it's Mm -hmm. sustainable and it's, made right and it's fresh and it's peak and like that yeah. comes through in every cup and you know hopefully everyone gets to try it understand like knows the time and energy and that's what makes ice cream so exciting and unique is how much work and how creative it can really be yeah you can definitely taste the difference in like any product where like people like pour their heart and soul into it and then like kind of take their sh- shortcut like Tara's in Berkeley like they make great ice cream and I can tell like she's in there just like trying really hard to make great ice cream and you can taste it you know as opposed to like a cup of dryers like vanilla like I don't know it just seems it tastes so factory made you can tell when something's made in a factory and made like by hand like by hand isn't just like some romantic like phrase to put in front of your product I would hope that like part of what I want to do, like running my own business, it's like to help educate just like the general public about like what food should cost and like how much money it takes to get somebody, not even just ice cream, but like if you order a steak at a restaurant, people are so desensitized by like how much like a steak costs at Safeway. 
it took so much for like that cattle to like get raised on the land by a farmer and then sent to the slaughterhouse and killed, eviscerated, brought to the restaurant, broken down. And then to have some sous chef like break down like the side of beef and then like get a line cook to prep everything to put that beef on a plate. Like it should probably cost you like a hundred dollars to get to pay for that like steak because like if you pay anything less like that line cook can't get health insurance and the sous chef can't get health insurance and and then the chef can't see his kids because he's working so hard because they're like understaffed i wish that people paid more for food so that the lifestyle isn't so unsustainable. The pandemic really like brought yeah. that to life, right? Like yeah. all the restaurants closing, you saw how many people had to find new jobs, kind of like you, right? And so mm-hmm. all the people who were in the restaurant business have found new things or realized they can start their own things. And mm-hmm. I've been reading articles that's hard for all these restaurants now to like get people back at the cost they were paying them before because they're having to rehire them. And so they can rehire them at higher rates and but it's a good thing. So that way we can all pay for quality food, pay for the quality of people of working um, mm-hmm. and just like have food be and desserts and everything is treated the way it should be. And not just yeah. like, oh, it's going to you know take advantage of. But like part of the issue is too, is like there's just like a saturation of options. You know, there's so many restaurants and ice cream places and whatever, like um, if the supply goes up, like the price goes down just like that's just like an economic law but I wish that um everybody just across the board just like I don't know charge just a little more or like people were okay with like somebody else charging more money I don't know like a restaurant in the pandemic for example like sure like the restaurant didn't have to pay for servers and whatnot but like now all of a sudden they have to pay like DoorDash fees and like uh, like 5,000 cardboard boxes and like 5,000 to-go containers and like they're buying all this like new equipment but their prices like their costs go up but their prices aren't allowed to go up as well like I think that's like so ridiculous yeah. and like rent living wages like everything is allowed to go up except for the price of food yeah is your long-term goal to open a shop do you think or um yeah I think so like um I think about like steps to take with the business and like where to take it. And if I open a second car or like whatever, or do I do a truck? And, um, but I think at this rate, I would want to do a shop where I can do everything in house just cause I think it's, um, then I would just kind of have autonomy over the whole process, which is kind of what makes it special. Now I wouldn't want to lose that later on. I don't give it too much thought because I kind of have issues right in front of me that I try to focus on, like yeah. bookkeeping and finding cups and stuff. Yeah. But, so do you see yourself um, doing this like full time, even as we start to recover from the pandemic? Oh yeah, I'm for sure doing this full time. Like it's like so consuming. It's funny when people ask me, it's like, oh, like, do you have another job besides this? I'm like, yo, you have no idea. Like I sell three days a week, but like I, I spend another two days producing. And beyond that, I spend hours upon hours, like, like keeping track of like my accounting and like designing and being on like social media and like managing the menu for the next week or two and like testing recipes, interacting with people. Like I'm so responsive. Like Stephanie, when you reached out to me, like I responded to you so fast. 
That's because like, I'm like on the phone, like people email me and I, I respond to them right there. I'm like, I'm the owner of this like business, like people, it's funny when people are like, oh, like what a cute little pop-up. I'm like, Yo, you have no idea. Carol, do you know what goes into this cuteness? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're your own social media manager. Like that's usually someone else's job. Place, yeah. You know? yeah like, I have like, I have like 50 hats on at all times. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't know how you do it and make delicious ice cream and share it with the world and connect with everyone. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank yeah, yeah, and no, thank I, you so much for, you know, out of your busy schedule, giving us your time and talking to us about it, because honestly, I know that that is also part of the many jobs that you have, but it is really special to share your story with our listeners, because you're local and you're really out here making a difference. And Brooke and I have talked about how excited we are when we do get to go um, try your ice cream and we really look forward to meeting you in person. So it's it's really oh. awesome to have you on here. Yeah, no, I I love to be a part of this stuff. And like like I told you, I love talking. <laughs> I think about like ice cream all the time. And it's like, it's cool to just like word vomit and have somebody listen, you know, like I, I'm just thinking about ice cream all the time and doing so many things. It's cool to like let people know in a way, like check in with myself and be like, oh yeah, I am doing all that stuff. Yeah. Amazing. Kudos should, like, to you. Talk about ice cream with other people that love it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Who are, who are like super like excited it, about it. it. For sure. <laughs> so I know that you think of ice cream all the time. I know Brooke thinks of ice cream all the time and I do also. Do you ever dream of ice cream? I, I have nightmares about it now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like things going wrong or like, oh man, like an article comes out and it just like wrecks me, but do I, I, I don't dream of ice cream anymore. I think in the beginning, like I used to have dreams about like scoop shops and I used to daydream a lot about ice cream. But nowadays, like, I think I think about it so much during the day that um, my brain just like finds somewhere else to go at night. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of daydreaming of ice cream. Yeah. As you know, this podcast is called Let's Spoon. So our fun question is, are you the big spoon or the little spoon? Typically the big spoon. But when I am little spoon, we call it jet packing. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Because like, no, so my, girl, my girlfriend's so, not so much smaller than me. She's smaller than me, though. So when I little spoon, she's behind me. It's like a little jet pack. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, spread the words. <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's freeze this conversation brandon where can people find you what's your instagram handle let folks know i'm typically in front of the albany twin that pro- that location is probably going to change soon but not much farther from that in albany friday saturday sunday from noon till things sell out now that things have settled down probably around 6 p.m so from noon to 6 p.m., Friday through Sunday in Albany, whatever the location is, I keep the website super updated, updated with hours, location, menu, all that. The website is uh, randysbesticecream.com, Instagram handle at randysbesticecream. Awesome. We really enjoyed having you and chat and ice cream. Hey, no, thanks for having me. It was really cool. Mm-hmm.